Individual choice, Cozy Zone friends. Ben Weber here. It is Saturday morning, sitting in my dining room table. I'm gearing up for a full day of work. I'm dressed great. Wearing my blue elephant tie, pink shirt, blue pants. Gonna wear my blue shoes with pink laces. I look, I look sharp. Um, and it's very exciting. <sighs> and uh, it's a sunny day. It's warm out. I'm feeling feeling good. I'm feeling uh, righteous. I'm feeling hopeful. Uh, my sweetie Nicolette, her dad is visiting us. And last night we went to this cozy little spot in the neighborhood, Oxcart, and we ordered beers and delicious burgers and got into talking about politics. Um, I find Donald Trump disgusting. I'm scared of who he is and what he represents and what the potential damage he could do to our country. And Dan, Nicolette's dad, you know, gave me some things to chew on, helped me sort of, I don't know, contextualize my thoughts or, or organize my thoughts in a slightly different way. He, he said that you know, Trump in in and of himself is not necessarily bad, but it is all of his supporters, the people around him, those who he is galvanizing with his rhetoric of of hate and racism and exclusion and fear, um, and and I don't know that just that got me thinking, you know, a lot about. What does it mean to be an individual making choices? And it, it made me think a lot about this idea of, of healing and knowing that I myself am working on a lot of different things. I'm going to therapy. I'm uh, seeking out craniosacral therapy, which you guys get to hear all about on this week's episode, which is very exciting. But I, as an individual, am making all of these choices to feel better in a society that contains forces or rather is comprised of forces that make me believe or wish me to believe that I don't have individual agency, that my future is preordained and the structures that are in place have been here forever and this is the way that the world works. And I would, I would assert that most of us don't necessarily feel a lot of individual agency uh, around a lot of things. Uh, you know, even even when it comes to this idea of who we're going to vote for, we we are led to believe that our vote doesn't matter. That by voting, we we opt into a system that what happened? Uh, we opt into a system. The cats are frolicking. We are opting into a system that is broken. And that we are validating uh, imperialist capitalist society, uh, and it's all you know. It's all very troubling, um, but I, I don't know. I I think that 
it made me excited to believe that my work as an artist, as a podcaster, as, as someone who is, is seeking to, to put content onto the world that, that reaches people and, and allows people to think, uh, invites people to think, that, that I can help inspire people to understand their own individual choice and that through that work, through validating people's own productive powers, their creative powers, we can be a unit of people acting in their own personal best interests and understanding that our individual choices are meaningful and powerful and can create a society that is abundant and rich and beautiful. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear of, you know, pe other people taking our jobs or coming in and invading us or, or, or challenging the things that we hold dear. And it's not true. It's a myth. And I don't know, I, I want us all to understand that our world will be best when all of us have access to everything that we need and when we live in a world of abundance. So thanks, Dan, for, for beginning this conversation, for having this conversation with me, making me think about individual choice and, and considering all of the forces that, that challenge that. Oh, thank goodness for the cozy zone, for a place to, to chew on all of this. My guest this week, Cindy, is my craniosacral massage therapist. I met her uh, at Third Root several months ago and have consistently had incredibly challenging, interesting, mysterious treatments with her. Um, you're going to hear all about what exactly craniosacral therapy is, what it does to your body, the, the philosophy behind it. Um, and I, I just want to say, Cindy, thank you so much for opening up your, your home and your heart for this conversation. Uh, I think you are a very uh, alluring and compelling human being, and it was extremely exciting to, to sit with you and speak with you and, and get into all of the, the challenging things that, that resonate with, with you and, and with me. Um, friends, you are really really going to love this week's episode. Uh, I just want to thank all of you out there for, for listening to the cozy zone, for being a fan. Um, please follow all of the activity on Instagram at Ben Weber projects on Twitter at cozy zones on the internet, Ben projects.com on the Facebook, the cozy zone foundation, like it. Every time you do the foundation gets $10,000 to create art projects with the guests of Cozy Zone. And it is my absolute pleasure to bring you episode 44, Cindy at the Black Table. Hey, Cindy. Hey, Ben. How's it going? <laughs> good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very nervous, like I told you. Yeah, tell me. What, why are you so nervous? Um, I think I'm nervous because I don't... I have never... So I've done a lot of interviews before. Yeah. For like radios. Okay. Um, just recently, a video 
was like circulated of me giving a talk in 2011. Okay. So I'm like comfortable being like in front of people. It's very easy for me. Um, but I don't usually talk about myself. What do you talk about in those, in those things, in those other things? Um, usually like political stuff. Okay. Like I've done, yeah, I've done like interviews for radio or newspapers and I've done like, I've given a lot of talks. Um, and I have like given a lot of, um, talks like more formal talks and I've given a lot of like agitational talks mm. at like demos and, um, picket lines and stuff like that but yeah but i've never like talked about my or i don't know that not that that's necessarily what we're gonna do yeah well i mean you know we're yeah we're just gonna hang we're gonna because here we are in your cozy zone welcome i just want to welcome you to your cozy zone thank you yeah Yeah. it's really nice to be here yeah and it's so nice to be here too can you tell us a little bit about where you are yeah so we're in my apartment um it's a studio apartment that i live in by myself which is excellent yeah um it is filled with different things what's in my apartment um some different arts that people have made i recently drew a couple pictures and they're also up which one (laughs) well there's there's very cheesy um there's this self-portrait, yeah. which is terrible, which I drew. <laughs> it's not terrible. I love it. I, I was like, oh, you know, I think that's you because I see, I see the tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I decided one day, it was like a full moon or something, and I was like, I'm supposed to do art. Yeah. Um, I drew that chakra tree. Uh-huh. Um, and I drew this little picture, this winter solstice picture that's hanging on the wall that's um, red and black. Uh, as an art project for the winter solstice. Mm. Where, where, and where it's, it's next to the spider plant next to the window. Oh, I see it. Pencil. I see it. Yeah. Yep. Rasta's in the picture too. My cat. Rasta. And Rasta's around. Where is he right now? He'll come back. He's, oh, back. he's over here lounging. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm always a little nervous for all of these too. Like, you know, I want to be, there's a pressure to be a good host to like, you know, be open and generous to hear what people have to say and keep it going, you know, to sort of, I, I, whenever I do these, it's a lot of like facing my own uh, demons and sort of how, how I am in, you know, next to somebody else. Mm. And just, but hearing about like the kind of work or the other situations where you were interviewing seem a lot more challenging, at least from my perspective, than talking about yourself. Like everyone's an expert on themselves, but like, you know, I imagine it takes a certain poetic and uh, intellectual prowess to like say some meaningful things at a demonstration or give a lecture and that kind of thing. Um, that's a really interesting point. I guess that's stuff that like, yeah, I think that for me, that's, it's like, there's a purpose to it. There has always been like a point to it. So like, um, I'm trying to think the last time, well, last time I gave a, the last time that I did any kind of like public agitational talking was at this demonstration that um, some comrades organized in Queens against the 
this bodega owner got beat up um like right after the most recent attacks in paris i don't know if you remember that i do yeah um yes this bodega owner in queens got um the shit kicked out of him and some old comrades of mine had a demo in queens am i too quiet no no sorry i i no don't be sorry just to i was touching the knobs for those people at home the last time i'm touching. no you can touch them you should do anything that you need to do no that's it i don't i didn't need to okay you can i want to thank you last time though okay it's okay you can touch them last time um it doesn't bother me i'll give you warning okay here comes me touching the knobs <laughs> I'm not. I'm just patting the patting the mixer. <laughs> um, yeah. So I talked it. I talked at that, and that was great. I hadn't talked publicly in maybe two years, um, and it felt really good because, like, I think that well, I was the only woman talking at it, um, so that felt important, and also. Um, just like, I don't know, like there's a purpose to it, right? So the purpose of it was like that people are getting beat up and this group was thinking about building like a defense committee, um, a local neighborhood defense committee. So there were also like people in the park um, who we were talking to, right? Um, who were just there hanging out at the park. Um, and so it was important to me to like have certain things to say to them. So yeah, yeah. it's like if there's a... Yeah, if there's like a clear purpose. There's a clear purpose. And I guess, you know, uh, here the purpose is to sort of learn what it means to be cozy in the world and like where where are people's zones. Mm. And I think like I, I guess I I should say that really the mission for me is, you know, uh, meeting with people in their, their zones, their cozy zones, uh, you know, knowing that they are the experts in their own mm. lives, knowing that they are the expert, like they have chosen and curated this cozy zone mm. and, you know, sort of seeing what we get into. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's vast. And I, I'm hearing that, you know, maybe the purposelessness or seemingly purposelessness and the vastness of it might be overwhelming or, you know. It's interesting. Maybe the vastness. So it's interesting because I think now that I... Um, do so as you know i'm a body worker yeah um massage therapist and stuff and since doing that work i think my perspective on like what's important in the world has shifted maybe not shifted but become integrated differently hmm. so i think that now things like this do seem important to me i see right for all the i love the way that you described it right like um kind of being able to have like some kind of intimate knowledge of people's lives in yeah. this particular way. Yeah. I do think is actually really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's like not, it's still challenging for me to translate that for myself. Yeah. 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 That, that's very, I mean, that's so interesting to me. I think that is really interesting. And like, I, I'm very much here to learn, you know, and to like seek, you know, your, your knowledge. Like I, I think, something that's really cool is, I mean, you know, I met you as, as my massage therapist and my mind is consistently blown every treatment I have with you. Like it is a crazy sort of mysterious 
uh, very like intense emotional physical experience Mm. Um, that is fascinating to me and so I'm very curious about you know your your journey your Mm. sort of how you found body work and especially the the modality that you work in I'm interested about your political work I'm interested about how how the hell you survive in New York City and you know nourish your mind and your heart mm. um because i like i want to know these things like i it's like i don't know yeah. i mean i do some stuff like i'm working on it but yeah. like i don't know and uh, as we were saying before like you know you were you were like doing stuff in the kitchen you were preparing this beautiful spread which we should describe which i'm nervously eating that's fine i'm I'm gonna get there i'm (laughs) gonna get there Yeah, it's all on my side of the table (laughs) well i'm gonna i definitely will reach over but i wanted to you know i wanted to make sure that you know because you said you're nervous and that's important to acknowledge and like you can please eat and you know the carrots and the homemade hummus Uh, it's going to, it's going to be some, yeah, some sound art that we're going to make. So that's, uh, I'm getting, there'll be a time for, I will definitely dive in. I'm excited to eat the homemade hummus that you made in your Vitamix. The Vitamix, yeah. But like, yeah, so what, like, what else have you been nervously eating? What is on this table? So we're sitting around this, this round black table. It's a round black table. Uh, It's covered with stuff. Um, like some books and bowls and a candle that has uh, oil it's called something a diffuser oh yeah diff- and so yeah like what what are we we are smelling are a we lot smelling? of a lot of things. amazing things so there's some nagshampa burning yep. in the corner yep. and then in the um there was some sage in the bathroom because i think it's good to burn sage in the bathroom amen um and <laughs> just you know yeah, man. just <laughs> chase away the poop demons exactly uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and in the diffuser there's neroli um patchouli and rose what is neroli neroli is a flower um the flower of an orange a particular kind of orange blossom orange a particular kind of orange that's from italy that was worn by brides and prostitutes. Ah. It also happens to be the tattoo that I have on my chest. Neroli. Neroli. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The two, uh, well, I guess the two of the three forms of woman. Is that true? No, maybe four. Because what is there? There's like the virgin. Virgin. Well, but bride, what is it? Virgin whore. And then I guess bride is sort of a complicated one. It is complicated because you're kind of both. Right. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depending, you know. On oh, yeah. Your life. We definitely should talk about the patriarchy. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk about the patriarchy. Uh, very important. Um, yeah. And there's all these, yeah. The, so books, books and bowls, but like, books yeah. What, yeah. These are like amazing. These seem like very important books. Oh, yeah. So on the table, there's, um, what, I'll go from biggest to smallest. Okay. There is The Art of Listening, which is a book by Hugh Milne, who's, um, uh, you might hear this, so I should, I think he's, yeah, he's an, he's an osteopath. He's a very accomplished osteopath, um, who I studied with when I was in Italy over the summer. Um, and he wrote these two very, very incredible books, um, called The Art of Listening, one and two, and they're these, the first book is, um, a little bit more about the kind of spiritual and energetic 
work of craniosacral therapy and the, a little bit the history and the methodology, that is, that which is, is your the modality, modality that I practice mm-hmm. and that you come get treated with. Yeah. Um, and the second book is, I'll, I'll show you, even though the people can't hear it. They can't hear the pictures. No, but th- this is why this is why we do this. I think also just to say part of the pleasure of the cozy zone is that like audio is such a limiting form it's and like no one can smell this, you know, this no. Nag Champa and Neroli and, and can't, you know, he, you know, we, we can try and make them hear the pictures, but like, it's okay if they don't hear them. Yeah. So let me, let me find a very good picture for you. Well, basically the book is, so this is even just one picture um yeah of what are we looking at here this looks like well these are the all the attachments to the sphenoid bone so it's just a very very detailed anatomy book um about all the different cranial bones and the nervous system but it's it's mixed with this really beautiful discussion of um this role of the spirit and like the energy and energy and the whole history of humanity um, from like the beginning of time until now and the cosmos. And it's, but he puts it in this very materialist context of like the actual, you know, he lists it's, it's more detailed than most anatomy books that physicians read, you know, like this is this page that I just opened to um, has 35 different labels for one bone and that's just the first picture um of yeah. all the different that's like the introduction yeah this is just like the front page of this of chapter sphenoid. on the sphenoid bone which is my probably my favorite bone in the body if i had to pick one what's going on with the sphenoid so the sphenoid uh is this bone that is shaped kind of like a butterfly he has a beautiful quote in here that i won't try to find because it'll take too long um but it it's shaped like a butterfly it sits it's kind of like the keystone of your head of your cranium um it only exits externally at your temples um and i guess in the inner orbit of your eye there's a little tiny tiny part of it and it connects to all the other cranial bones um and the pituitary gland which is a gland that has a lot of different important hormones um sits right inside of it like kind of right in the yeah right there third eye region or kind of in the third eye region yeah i mean back further into your cranium but um and one of the theories or associations with the sphenoid is that it's the bone of dreaming okay so when uh but also just physiologically all of your eye all of your intrinsic eye muscles except one i think attached to the sphenoid and a bunch of different cranial nerves go through the sphenoid and sinuses so if your sphenoid is like a little bit misaligned i mean all these different things can be happening Mm. headaches uh hormonal imbalances um eyesight problems trouble sleeping and then yeah it's attached to it attaches to every other uh cranial bone so you know developmental people who experience or express developmental disabilities and can sometimes experience a lot of relief from symptoms by having their sphenoid worked on. Wow. So, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. That is amazing. I yeah. f- if I recall correctly, I, I think you did some work on my sphenoid. I'm sure that I've done... And I, there was some sort of sphenoid release or some sort of release. Maybe not. Yeah. I... Yeah. It's probably hard to remember all the... You know, it's interesting because I need to take better case notes because when I work, I a lot of times don't really... 
it's not that I don't know what I'm doing, but I just kind of like, I know what I'm doing in the moment, Yeah. but then it's kind of over and it's well, whatever. L- last but time, I do remember that you, oh, go ahead. Oh, just remembering what you said, like that you're a, you're a tourist. Mm. Very much. I do say that. Yeah. I'm eating a chocolate now. I am really excited. Uh, let me also just say that this homemade hummus is delicious. It's okay. It's a little bland. Huh. I guess. I find it really delicious. Really good. There's okay. a lot of garlic that okay. I really like. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. And this is um, Raspberry. raspberries and dark chocolate chocolate. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, you were saying, though, you remember oh. some, something. Oh, what was going on with your sweet I don't know. It was a... There was some release. I think that maybe you had... um. So this phenoid goes into different... There's um, a few different torsion patterns that it goes into. Mm-hmm. And you had... You had... It was, I think, sideways a little bit. Oh. Which is fine. It's hey, okay that yeah. it was sideways. That's oh, yeah. what it wanted to be doing. Great, but yeah. I think it readjusted. And I think if I remember correctly... So the sphenoid bone articulates with the occiput, which okay. is crazy to think about. And yeah, so the occiput is... This bone, it's the bone in the very back of your head, like okay. if you are touching your head um, and you go straight up the back of your neck and you have that bump that's kind of the very back of your head, that's your occiput. Okay. Um, so it's crazy to think that a bone that you can't feel except at your temples articulates with your occiput. Yeah. Right? But it does inside of your head. Um, and sometimes I don't know exactly, you know, I'm still very much an amateur in this work, but sometimes it almost feels like that joint, like it like gets more space in people and it, it almost, to me, it feels like a popping or something. Mm. Like it gets more space and it kind of like starts moving because it, it's supposed to, I can't delete it. It moves like, like this. I don't know how like you a clam. That. A little bit like a clam, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's, that is wild. So what is the premise of mm-hmm. craniosacral work? I'm so glad that you asked me that, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> um, so craniosacral work comes from osteopathy, which um, is a form of medicine. I'm not going to remember all the exact dates and stuff. So a form of medicine developed in the late 19th century. Um by this guy who was, I believe, I don't, I'm going to like say the wrong thing and all the oste- old osteopaths are going to. All right, all right <laughs> listen, to you osteopaths out there, you just, we're in a cozy zone. We're just, we're just riffing here. <laughs> Cindy's going to say some stuff. Just relax. It might not be right. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, his whole family, he was, I believe he was on in Westward Expansion. But anyway, his whole family died of um, meningitis oh. or n- many members of his family died of meningitis, Yikes. which if you know what meningitis is, it's the swelling of the meninges, which is the lining of your brain. Right. Um, or of your kind of nervous system within your cranium. Um, and he was a doctor and like an allopathically trained doctor. Ben's eating a watermelon right now. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> well, I'm listening. No, I, I just wanted to, because it's really good, right? <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um, and so he he did I don't, he did like a bunch of kind of work on different people and he uh, theoretically discovered the craniosacral system and discovered the 
rhythm of the movement of the cerebrospinal fluid between the cranium and the sacrum, um, which is why it's called, which is why this branch of osteopathy um, is called craniosacral therapy. So osteopathy now in the U.S., people did a lot of advocacy to get it recognized by the American Medical Association. So now you can become a doctor of osteopathy, right? You go to medical school and instead of becoming a gynecologist or something, you become a DO. And um, there's great DOs out there who do incredible work, but a lot of what I've heard, what happens if you become a DO in the States, um, because you're also trained in, you can get prescriptions and stuff like that. Um, very few DOs still do um, manipulation mm-hmm. as their main form of work. Because it's expensive. Like you treat people for, you know, you treat people for 20 minutes, 45 minutes. And, you know, you can charge insurance, I guess. But it's just, you, and you have to pay medical. You don't make as much money as you do if you're prescribing stuff, basically. Right. Huh. Well, anyway. Cindy's eating a watermelon now. No, I'm eating the watermelon. I'm not going to be as polite as Ben is. I'm going to talk with the watermelon in my mouth. This is your, this is. This is my cozy zone. This is your cozy zone. You get to do whatever (laughs) the fuck you want. That's right. I'm going to. Talk with my mouth. Yeah, do it. So craniosacral therapy developed from that, and it's a little bit more limited. Like osteopaths can do adjustments the way that chiropractors can. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the main principle of osteopathy and how it's different from allopathy. So allopathy, allo means other, pathy means medicine, allopathy, other medicine. It's the idea that you give something else, right? So. Drugs or surgery or something like that. Yeah. And osteopathy, um, it even though osteo is also a root word related to bone, right. um, what it actually means is ch- is the change. So bone, your bones are shaped by like your bones don't have an existence without your muscles. Okay. Right. If you didn't have muscles pulling on your bones, your bones would disintegrate. Hmm. Um, and they're always changing. So if you look at the cadavers of someone who died at age 35, who was a marathon runner, and you look at the bones of a baby, and you look at the bones of a 85-year-old who was not in great health, the bones will look very different. They'll be different sizes, different shapes. And the reason for that is that they're... Like, if you look at a bone when someone's still alive, like, they're not white. They're red and pulsating. They're very, very full of blood. They're full oh, wow. of marrow. Um so the osteo and osteopathy means kind of change and transformation. And the principle of osteopathy is that you, that everyone has inherent health and everyone's system is always working towards um, being in health and being in homeostasis, but that uh, restrictions can develop in the system and in, even in the field of osteopathy, they say that that can happen in the field of the mind, the spirit, the body, and that none of those are actually separate. Um, and if there's restrictions in any of those areas, it keeps the health from uh, moving and it creates symptoms. Mm. So the goal of osteopathy and of craniosacral therapy is not to like do something else to someone, right? It's to go with whatever their system wants to do and follow their restriction into its own pattern and kind of unravel it, or the terminology in craniosacral therapy is unwinding. Um, So if someone, yeah, it's really, and 
Oh man, I can't remember exactly this quote. It's posted on my Facebook, but I took a class recently with someone who's a really excellent teacher. She runs these um, like study groups in the city, very small study groups. They're amazing. And she always starts by kind of reading some quotes and stuff. And she read this quote that said something like the greatest, the greatest health is in the restriction. Um, right. Uh, yeah what does that mean what does that mean yeah what does that mean yeah so i think that what it means is the so i think about it from so the part of the reason i really like craniosacral therapy and i like osteopathy is philosophically it's very consistent with my political beliefs and my kind of like spiritual beliefs um so in the study of dialectics, let's say, like philosophical study or methodological study, um, the focus is on the contradiction, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that the contradiction is where meaning comes from and that the contradiction isn't an external, like, fighting, right? Like, you say yes, I say no, and there's just clashing, right? The contradiction is actually that there's some internal conflict that is the movement of the thing itself. So, like, the classic... Uh, Hegelian example is what like the the seed and the tree right so like when the seed ceases to the seed ceases to exist in the tree right it, it's abolished right through the existence of the tree and yet it's that contradiction of its own abolition that creates something new so it's not it doesn't disappear but it's not still there um, and it's not without um, conflict you know, or also Hegel obviously has the master-slave dialectic. It's the same principle. Like the slave and master do not exist without one other, and the slave can only, the slave can't cease being a slave without an active contradiction with the master. Um, and it's not, the end of the contradiction isn't becoming the master, the end of the contradiction is actually creating a new kind of humanity. Um, so that I think is what, this idea of the health, the greatest health is in the restriction is about, it's not about going in and surgically removing, you know, a restriction or something. It's about actually investigating what's in there and that, and I'm sure you've experienced, I mean, you've experienced this in treatment, yes. for sure, um, but also in therapy and other things, right? That like wherever that deepest source of kind of like pain or discomfort or symptoms is, it's also usually where the greatest kind of like, power personal power is coming from yeah and and the most potential for transformation mm -hmm. it seems like i mean that's that's what i'm hearing like yeah. that that this is this sort of chaotic point is where something uh something can rise anew or, or yeah that I, this is fascinating yeah it's awesome and in buddhism too buddhist dialectics also um i mean and there's differences, you know, Buddhist dialectics, Hegelian dialectics, Marxist dialectics, and bodywork dialectics are all different in important ways. But I think that it's that primary philosophical point of, yeah, like the contradiction or the inversion. And in Buddhism, um, there's this really beautiful, there's the Heart Sutra is kind of one of these um, primary texts in Zen Buddhism. And Thich Nhat Hang, who's probably a lot of people know, who's this really wonderful 
Vietnamese um, Buddhist monk who escaped Vietnam during the war uh, and was actually very, quite political um, and was against the uh, kind of weird Maoist-Stalinist mix that was um, the North Vietnamese army. And he was also against the U.S. invasion, right? He did a really beautiful, um, like, I don't know, like commentary on the Heart Sutra. And he talks a lot about, because the Heart Sutra is full of, like, contradictions, like, in meaning there, in, in being there is nothingness, and, you know, there is no sight, no sound, no hearing, no sensation, no loss of sensation. And, and Thich Nhat Hanh is trying to explain, like, how could you have all of these things at the same time? And he talks about, like, he talks about all these kind of very basic things, like watching a leaf fall from a tree and knowing that that leaf also is, like, it's very sad, but it's also the regeneration of life. And um, anyway, so all these things, I like these, I like this thing, this thing a lot. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. Well, I, I mean, I think what it brings up for me is just this this challenge to hold contradictory things in in yourself and your mind at the same time. I think that I don't know. I I feel like I live a life where there there's you know, people we are seeking one side of a dichotomy because that that is what we know to be comfortable. And I mean, I think in my experience that that is not true. That is not real. Mm-hmm. And and yet also holding, you know, two contradicting things in your mind at the same time is also highly uncomfortable. But everyone does it. That's yeah. the thing. Like, yeah. That's the thing about like, yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, no, that's, please go on. Well, no, that's this really interesting thing about, I think, also being involved in political work is like, you know, there's this kind of thing that, like, people who do political work like to say, like, you know, that I met this person, they had contradictory consciousness. You know, it's kind of something that I Is that like a dig? Is that like a... It's no... I mean, it depends who's saying it. Yeah. Like, um, well, we always say it to refer to other people. Like, we, you know, like, you go out on a flyer and you're talking to someone and, you know, maybe you're talking to someone and they're like... You're like, oh man, like we did. A, I did a hospital organizing, for, organizing against these hospital closures in, in the city for a while, and um, you know, we would go talk to people. And our thing was like, we should take over the hospitals, right? Um, and people said all would say all kinds of things. They'd be like, yeah, like, you know, we'd ask them certain questions, like, do you think that workers could run the hospital without the bosses? And people would be like, oh yeah, the bosses don't do anything, but you know mess up our lives and blah 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 and then we would be like all right well like you know so have another little bit of a conversation and then say like okay what do you think we should do and people like well we really need to um you know this was when de blasio was running like we really need to elect bill de blasio and we're like oh my god this is insane like we have one conversation with people where they're like we need direct democratic control of the hospitals. And two minutes later, they're saying that we need to elect this person who now has proven, right, that he, that was all just publicity stunt was him trying to, him getting rest on the bridge or all this stuff. Um, and, but at the time people knew, you know, and people would say like, I don't trust politicians. Literally it'd be like, I don't trust politicians. And the next second they'd be like, well, we got to get like, you know, so-and-so in office. 
And that's like a, so what I think is interesting is like, we'd be like, oh, it's contradictory consciousness, but that's a contradiction that's created by the kind of society we live in. Yes. So like, of course people have those contradictions. I mean, I have those contradictions. I have tons of contradictions, but I don't go around thinking of myself like that because no one does. <laughs> I, maybe some people do. I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can. I don't think, I don't, I don't think our mind could deal with mm-hmm. that. Like, I, I think, I don't know. There, there's a there's a certain thing that I, I don't know. Like I'm really interested. I'm really interested in like how we make meaning and like mm-hmm. thinking about semiotics and, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And like it, when you were talking about like Hegelian dialectics, I, I think I don't know. The thing that I feel close to in my own sort of academic past is is the idea of uh, oh boy, uh, uh, oh the guy. Oh no, who the one of the first linguist guys? The sort of uh, Oh dear! I oh, don't know. Saussure, Saussure, okay. and say like in in that we we make meaning by saying why what something not is. We know a oh. chair is a chair because it's not a table because uh-huh. it's not. And through like you know the denial of these other known categories, we arrive at what the thing is. But right. like the thing doesn't have any inherent meaning. Only in sort of in conversation with right. all of these other things that are not other. Th- like it's only through negation do mm-hmm. we arrive at right. you know. Right. Meaning or solid anything. Right. Like um, and that's been, I, I don't know, he's sort of one of the first guys mm-hmm. to think about it and, and think about it in terms of like linguistics and it's been carried forth through all the, you know, thinkers. And how such. do you, how, how do you find meaning for that in your own work? Like how does that manifest for you in your own thinking or thought or art? I guess, I guess I use it to like have compassion for myself around around like the categories that I create and like around my own discomfort around needing categories. Um, because I think that there are a lot of categories that are so that are damaging and that are created for oppression, you know, but humans are a category creating Mm. species Mm. and we make meaning like we have language. We, think through language everything is mediated through language in my experience and language is a very imperfect tool and our mind wields it in a very particular way in a biological way like we need to mm. put the stimuli that we receive in some sort of order mm. and there's inherent failure in that like there is it is not what is um and I think, and that's okay. And so you have, and so it's like, okay, well, I, I am failing. Like I am like, I can, like, I have this very crude way of understanding things because like really, I, I, you know, I can understand that this carrot is not a carrot or it's a carrot because it's not a lemon. It's mm-hmm. not a anvil. It's not a, you know, doctor. Uh, Might be better than a doctor though. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have that nice phrase with a carrot I, I do like the carrot this is i'm gonna have some more yeah, hummus please. um but i don't know I, I guess like trying to have compassion for category creation mm. yeah and yet like but also having the energy to defy categories yeah. and fight against you know my imperfect way of of dealing with the mm. information that i receive yeah yeah, that's really, I think that's really meaningful too in that like, 
um, that Ben's crunching. He's trying to be polite. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm outing you as crunching. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I think about that a lot. I, I'm really glad that you said it and said it in that way. I think it's this really beautiful way of talking about it. Like, um, yeah, I think um, there's a, a comrade of mine um, called Eve Mitchell who wrote this pamphlet called I'm a Woman and a Human. And um, it's a critique of intersectionality politics. Um, and she uses Fanon, who we talked about when we had dinner last, to kind of, um, kind of as kind of a philosophical framework for her argument. And what she says is that all these identity categories that were created in the sixties and seventies were really crucial, right? So black, obviously, black identity, um, lesbian identity, le- even lesbian lesbian separatism um you know the category of like women of radical feminism all these different things were really crucial in um making themselves known and making the exploitation and oppression known right i mean identity feels so important like i I crave i crave to exist within a category i crave an identity like i that's something that feels very urgent for me in my life. Yeah. Well, and I think that what I, I don't want to um, get her argument wrong, but I think that, I mean, or at least I'll say what I got from it and what I think about it is that, um, one way of thinking about that is that the formation of ourselves in categories and identities is really important to know ourselves and then to know ourselves as part of a group. Right. And especially to know ourselves against something else, right? Like you're talking about negation, um, to know ourselves against white supremacy or patriarchy or um, the ruling class, but that the ultimate goal of that struggle has to be the abolition of those identities. So you're in this con. So from at least from the political perspective, you're in a contradictory place of needing to develop those categories and identifications to survive, and to know yourself and know who you're against, but that in the struggle in the struggle against those things, the goal is to subsume those identities that they would no longer exist and that we would exist in universal humanity. And that's what the title is. So the title is I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a human. It's like, yeah, I'm a woman, but I'm a human and I, I want to be recognized in my full humanity. And now at the particular moment we're in historically, women aren't recognized as fully human. Um, and so the struggle is like first for that recognition, but then those categories, any of those categ- identity categories would have to be abolished for true, true kind of like universal liberation. And that's actually what, you know, Fanon is this amazingly brilliant theorist of race um, and not just race of war and of capitalism and colonialism. And his philosophy is that the black struggle has to, it has to emerge as the black struggle first, but then it has to subsume itself. And, and it's a very scary thing in a, in a period where we live with such acute kind of um, particular exploitation for people to think that way. But, you know, a lot of people like to use his work and kind of they don't don't always get to that point where he's like, no, actually, 
his goal was the subsumption of the black race. It was the, that everyone would exist in a universal humanity and hierarchies wouldn't, hierarchies based on race and gender and sexuality wouldn't exist anymore. It, I see you making a face. Well it, just, interesting. well, it just makes me imagine, like, I'm trying to imagine, it, it's hard for me to believe that human beings, mm-hmm. like, as meaning-making creatures, would have zero categories. Mm-hmm. Like, right. that, like, these categories certainly right. are in a particular, you know, set of, of uh, you know, forces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, right. I mean, certainly, certainly, you know, women you know need to be humans black people need to be human like that you know society is working to make them less than human but like let's say the revolution comes right and we we like these identities no longer are needed how do we like in what ways do we have to organize ourselves like how do we like because like and like I I I recognize too that like my little interjection about like but I'm looking for an identity like that comes from a place of like privilege you know like I'm like you know I'm a white guy you know I'm a cis white guy straight guy walking around like I want to be special like I want to have a fight you know what I mean like I want to I want to be against something but like that and that's from being an un like you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm Jewish, but like, you know, whatever, like I can pass as not Jewish, you know, I, I want to, I'm unmarked, you know, I am, I am the unmarked, whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about class struggle, right? Is it like, um, you know, and I'm sure like people definitely, I know for a fact that people disagree about this because I've been debating people for seven years about these things, but at least from my perspective, like, I mean, we're all invested in class struggle. Like, I mean, okay, so it, it, this is um, February 22nd, 2016. Today it was 52 degrees? Yes. Something like that. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot uh, for February. And February 13th, less than 10 days ago, it was three degrees? Yes. Fourteenth. Um, uh, and, the 14th and and thirteenth Valentine's yeah. Day weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's like, that's I, I don't care what anyone says. Like, that's capitalism. That's like the result. That's the result of capitalist development. Like, there's no reason why temperatures would be fluctuating in that way, except the horrendous things that have been done in the world to accumulate capital Mm -hmm. and even for even if you take even if that's the most abstract that you get in a very like discreet and particular way we all have an interest in overthrowing capitalism but then like as working class people as people who don't own companies or businesses or means of production like we were coming in you were coming in is it okay for me to say anything about what you said when you were coming in about of course your work yeah okay yeah yeah um, well, you came in and you were expressing some amount of like, I think pretty regular feelings about work. Yeah. I, yeah, man. It was, uh, it's work is hard. Yeah. It's draining. Um, and it's alienating. Yeah. 
it's alienating and it's alienating for everyone so yeah. i i love my work i love what i do yeah right i really do like i'm very lucky and i've i've uh yeah i really love it but i also like i mean like i'm in bad shape you know like my body is really messed up yeah. i lost my keys mm -hmm. um and my cell phone charger twice yep. which ben brought me today yeah um and you know, I have to, like, even though I, I, in terms of the content of what I do, I love the content. Um, I hate the form, like, uh, and it changes the content. Like, I definitely have days where I am so tired by my last client that I'm struggling, you know, to do a good job. And, um, yeah, like, if I could do this work without having to sell my labor for a wage, I would organize it very differently. Um, and I would, well, I wouldn't charge anyone money. Um, and I would, I love treating everyone. I think everyone needs to get treated. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't benefit from body work. But for me, oh, I'm gonna blow this candle up. Um, you know, I like if I could do, if I could choose exactly who I wanted to treat. I would treat people who had experienced like trauma from state violence. And a lot of times those people can't afford to pay money. They're definitely not coming to the places where I work. Um, and again, I love all my clients and I, I love the clients at the place everywhere that I work and I, I wouldn't want to stop treating them either, but I don't have much, you know, like I have to do what I have to do. Yeah. So even all of this rambling is to say like, I, it's materially and objectively obvious that there's very different ways that people experience the world. And those differences are really important. Um, and they shouldn't be, in my perspective anyway, they shouldn't be overlooked. And that hap has happened from different leftist organizations or different state agencies and stuff. And it, it with very disastrous uh, results. Uh, but... Uh Say, say more. more yeah what do you like, mean like well like different parts of the well for example the trade union movement mm -hmm. um throughout the 20th century was you know a class struggle move movement of the working class um but from its beginning was segregated movement like unions each union was developed largely especially in places like new york were developed based on ethnicity so like different unions would have their own ethnicity Got it. and mostly black workers immigrant workers women workers were largely excluded from those unions so they were you know quote-unquote class struggle organizations but they totally ignored some of the most exploited people in the working class um so that's what i mean by like those differences have been ignored and they shouldn't be mm -hmm. um but God, I'm, I'm rambling so much, Ben, about well, stupid political stuff. Well, anyway. But the question, I mean, <laughs> the question on the table is, after the revolution, who are right. we? Yeah, I think, God, that what a beautiful question. I think about that question all the time. I mean, I have no, I don't think that it's something that we could really imagine. Social relations that aren't, um, that aren't alienated. I mean, I think that we experience those in small ways you know, every day. I experience them with my cat sometimes. <laughs> um, although oftentimes our experiences are dominated by alienation because I come home late from work and he's very frustrated with me. 
and he hits me sometimes. Oh. Yeah, it's Rasta. Yeah, that's not good. He's sleeping. Uh, he's cuddling with his his wand. Wand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good. He's stretched out. He's stretched out. He's so cute. He's very cute. I love him. Um, but yeah, I think it's very hard to imagine. I mean, I don't know. I think people, you know, Mark says this kind of famous quote where he says, um, you know, in communism, you would be, he, you could be a, I'm going to get it wrong. It's a fisher, a fisherman in the morning, a hunter in the afternoon and a critical critic in the evening. Right. You know, like, you know, it's only under a mode of production that's based on alienation of labor that you're only one thing. And no one's ever only one thing. Right. But then you're, you're forced in the society to identify as one thing. Oh, I'm a bus driver. I'm a teacher. I'm a nurse. I'm a massage therapist. I'm an educator. Whatever. And so I think... And I also think in a new society, we would still be struggling. I mean, I think that's the other thing is I don't... I don't I'm personally, I'm not a utopianist. I don't believe in a utopia. I think that in any kind of society, an aspect would be constant struggle. Yeah. So... So I don't think we would lose all need to categorize and identify. I just think, I think you said it already. Like, I think it's the particular kinds of categories that we have developed now that um, are, yeah, just particular to this historical moment. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like, what are useful, like what are useful categories in, you know, in this, in this, in a society where, we're not trying to dehumanize each other all the time, you know, in order to make a buck, you know? Well, you know, you can look at other, I'm also not, some people, you know, want to go back to before capitalism. I also don't believe in that. I don't think it's possible. No. I don't think it would be good. I think a lot of, a lot of amazing things have happened in capitalism that we should have still in different forms. Um, but, you know, if you look to some pre-capitalist forms of structure of society, like, you know, there would be people like who were the healers. Right. You know, and they spent a lot of time learning about healing mm-hmm. and would teach other people. Mm-hmm. And everyone would have some knowledge of healing. Right. And work. But then there would be some people where like yeah. something's really going on. You would call mm-hmm. them or some people who. Some people are blessed you know i mean i think that this i believe that like some people are in tune with that mm-hmm. more than others and, or and, artists you mm-hmm, know sure i think about the time when i think about this the most is when i'm on the subway and you know when someone gets on the subway and they're really struggling um and maybe they're like Marginally housed or homeless and sick and all this stuff. And they get on the subway and they have the like most beautiful singing voice mm-hmm. in the world. It's like, man, that's when I think about like a new society the most. Yeah. I'm like, if we lived in a different, a world that was organized differently, these people would be like the troubadours. Yeah. You know, like. They wouldn't, you know, they would be loved and taken care of and they have this amazing talent, you know, and they would be valued on the basis of that incredible talent, not because they are able to, you know, sell their labor for a wage or something. They're not able to. My buddy Max is a a Marxist Mm -hmm. and and he 
I I gotta buy your your paper, Max. You gotta. He, my <laughs> subscription has lapsed, uh, but I gotta buy buy his paper. And he we talk about we talk about politics all the time. Like list like you know I'm a I'm like a petty bourgeoisie. You know like you know it's not technically accurate. Well, maybe. <laughs> you know to him and his 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 buddies his comrades sure. that which is you know okay I'll take that I'm it's. We we can we can uh, you know deconstruct that in a moment, but anyway, like I'm not I'm not a member of the party. I'm not necessarily like getting ready to join. Like I I empathize and 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 agree with many of the things, um, <clears throat> but like I I don't spend any of my time or energy fighting, it you know for the revolution in the way that he does. Um, I, I'm an ally, you know, I'm from a distance, but like definitely not in the trenches and don't necessarily have all of the, you know, knowledge of Lenin and Trotsky and Marx to really, you know, be a, a, a valuable member of their party. Mm-hmm. But we saw each other recently and he he was describing to me like the world after the revolution is mm-hmm. one that is is one of abundance, that like there is no... We don't want for anything like this idea of like thinking about need and want and lack like that doesn't that doesn't exist like lack and and uh, scarcity is manufactured mm-hmm. by capitalism so that you know so that we buy things and so we fill spiritual holes with commodities and I guess I don't know that like that's something and I, I'm wondering like if we live in a world without want, mm-hmm. without lack, or with, with, yeah, with, with abundance. Where is the incentive? Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to even think about the incentive mm-hmm. of, of protecting artists. Or like, mm-hmm. wh- like I, where, where does the urgency come from? Well, why do you make art, Ben? Because uh, I, because I gotta. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's all I. That's I don't know. It's I because I have to because mm-hmm. I like to. I I like to. Frankly, I mean, there's a. We'll get to it at the end. There's the question, the cozy zone question. Oh right? yes. Um, but like that kind of thing. Like I talking about the what is it, the, the sphenoid. The sphenoid. I don't really dream. Like I mm-hmm. don't. I rarely remember my dreams. Mm-hmm. If I do, they're reoccurring, and like I think I have a reoccurring dream of like a, a sort of outdoor landscape. Not a lot happens. I'm just sort of walking mm-hmm. around and looking at at these things. But like I do not have a very active, to my best of my knowledge, I don't have an active dream life. Mm-hmm. And so I I joke to myself that I need to, you know, make it like mm-hmm. make this dream light in my waking life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, and it feels nice to like dream next to somebody mm-hmm. like, it, you know, oh, like, well, what could we do? Like, you know, creating a co-fantasy mm-hmm. is a, I love to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So that's why. So that's why. But also, I mean, I think that's really beautiful. Um, and also like, why do you do Cozy Zone? Because so Cozy Zone, like, is not, it's for you and the person that you're, right? Like also yeah. Cozy Zoning with. Right, right. But then they're also, you publish them as... Yeah, as Podcast. public. Yeah, they're they're for the public record, you know. Why? Why do you feel like that's important? 
Um, well, I mean, I, I, I think I'm interesting. I think, uh, I think it captures a particular moment in time. I think the people I talk to are interesting. Um, yeah, I think there's value to it. I think that, yeah, I, I think it's really fascinating to hear people's stories. Uh, yeah. 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 And there's something that's universal about it. Yeah. Right. There's something about art in particular that you're communicating with some kind of universal humanity, right? Like you don't make it, if you made an art and no one experienced it, I mean, it doesn't mean it wouldn't be fulfilling for you. But you could argue that it's not art. Then if a tree falls in a forest, like, you know, art is really. That's a Buddhist con, by the way. Oh, man. Well, we yeah. got, you know, what's, what's your Buddhist con? Uh, uh, who's dragging this corpse? Oh, yeah. Who is dragging this corpse around? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's really good. I love that so yeah. much. But anyway, so, yeah. So, yeah. Maybe it's not art. So, this is, I think, it's so crazy because your question is really um, pertinent or really, like, powerful question. Like, what would be the motivation? Like, I mean, what better? It's like, it's so crazy because we actually all experience this motivation every day. It's like wanting to be connected to total humanity, Yeah, you know, like wanting to be connected to others and not just to one. I don't, I don't know that I really have a full theory on this. Other people do, but you know, even something like love, like intimate or romantic love, it's not, it's not really just about the person, right? It's about, it's something much more universal than that. And I think that in a world where I think you're absolutely also right. Like I think there, or I think that there would be conflict. I think in any kind of society, there'd be conflict between people, struggles in power and this kind of stuff. I think what's particular to capitalism and why it's so, um, and just as a quick aside, I'm not in a party and I don't believe in parties, but maybe your friend Max and I can have a debate at some point. That would be, that would be a a very special, very, very special. (laughs) I'm dreaming about doing a live one. So if I could get you guys in a room, it would be so boring for everyone. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. Not, not people in the room. Oh man, I would love that. Okay. Well, we'll do it. I'm down for it. He lives Um, in Australia. Okay. That's fine. We can do it. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Um, We'll both go to, Somewhere in the middle. We both go to Greece or something. Great. Okay, let's do it. Because he's in Greece. Greece. <laughs> um, Booked it. Yeah, I think that what's particular about capitalism is that it's this mode of production that's, oh man, it's so crazy and beautiful and horrifying. It's based on like the inversion of humanity. So other modes of production like feudalism, it's based on some suppression maybe or it's not good. Right, you yeah. don't want to be a serf in feudalism. No, no, bad situation. Totally not. But what's particular about capitalism is the very things that we do to produce and reproduce ourselves are the things that keep us enslaved to this system of exploitation, and that's horrifying, right? Because it means like every day that you go to work, you have to go to work more. Not just you, but on a total level. Right. Um, but what's really crazy about that is like it's also like that's also like the key to the liberation is like like. Um, we we can't not be creative and we can't not produce even a shoe, right? A shoe made by Nike, right? A shoe made by Nike by a worker in a Nike factory. It's a universal product. It's not like a bee making a hive. A bee makes a hive. He makes it just for himself. Maybe it's a beautiful 
creative, incredible hive, but it's just for immediate reproduction of the bee and the bee's family, right? Well, when, yeah, yeah. The bee is, right, it's like they're a super organ. I mean, yeah, like the, there's a, they're a whole. They're... But they're not like, I want to create this hive so that all the bees will be inspired, all the bees in the universe that I've never, bees no. that I've never met. No. no. Ever. Right. When Nike makes a shoe, that shoe isn't just for one person, right? right? That shoe is for total humanity. Right. Now, the conditions under which that shoe are created, it's also like literally the destruction of humanity. I mean, like right. the materials that go into it, the labor conditions. So talking about contradiction, I mean, that's insane. So we live in this world where we're always in this contradiction where the very like universal production that we're involved in and it's also social right so like you can't you don't no one ever works anywhere where they work totally alone people might say like oh maybe you don't have immediate coworkers, right but even if you are in a working from home as like a uh, remote call center person you wouldn't have your job unless there was someone managing the phone lines from the technical company someone who's a customer you know all these different people so it's always social but it's also really alienated and these aspects of labor are things that can never be extinguished. They're just like the social aspect, the universal aspect. But in capitalism, they're inverted, so they seem like they're opposite, right? So like the shoe that gets made for universal humanity can only be bought by a certain percentage of people, right? So it's not, it appears to be universal. Right, but it's not actually, right. Or your work um, appears to be alone, but it's actually social. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's social, but then you're actually doing it alone, right? So right. it's full of, full of these contradictions. And so I think in a... So it's like the key to what thinking about what a new society would look like is like here. It's like we... Like our activity is similar, but it's liberated. Hmm. So like, you know, all the things that you love about your work, you get to do but then explore even more i mean I, what better motivation right and you don't need to do it when you're tired like you yeah. don't you get to do it when you, you choose to and you and you want to do it because yeah, and there's still be obligation like people still have to take care of each other sure. and i think you still have to do things you don't want to do like right someone still has to clean poop up right sage it up yeah and but then you sage it up right right and right. you're like oh well i'm doing the poop job so i'm gonna Sage it up and get away the poop, <laughs> bad poop fairies, right? And maybe the poop fairies then don't seem so bad, no. right? Like even certain kinds of labor, like being a janitor, right? There's really no reason why being a janitor should be less enjoyable in, if you do it for a short period of time, you know, like cleaning, clean, you clean your house, you clean wherever, then painting a picture, right? It's still, you, you're getting something very concrete done. But if you have to do it eight to 10 hours a day, in like horrible conditions with like shitty equipment and bad chemicals. Yeah, of course it's a horrible job and you're getting paid nothing. It's a terrible job. Yeah. But there's nothing inherently alienating about cleaning something. No. Yeah, we all got to clean something. We all got to clean something. And it, yeah, if you're cleaning, yeah, if you're like, take, some people take a day off and clean for leisure, right? Yeah. It's the form that the labor takes that's the alienating part. I have to tell you, so I, uh, I've recently joined the Park Slope Food Co-op. Oh my God, what's I'm, your job? Well, my job is receiving and stocking. And the other option was maintenance. You should have done maintenance. Why? It's only two hours. Oh, let me tell you my analysis. So I was in the Park Slope Food Club for a while. I had to leave. It's a long story. Maybe we'll talk about it or maybe not. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But when I was a member, I did maintenance. It's only two hours. Yeah. All the other shifts are two hours, 45 minutes. Right. Okay. And it's so easy. 
it's just cleaning stuff but the, the way that the parks of food cup this is what i think is that they're like well cleaning that's a very demeaning job yeah so it should only be two hours yeah but is it more demeaning than like checking people out of the register i loved my i love my job i uh, vacuumed the checkout counters hmm. i only had to do it for two hours it really only took an hour and a half hmm. that's right well Maybe I mean I'm sure they'll they'll be open if I want to switch. I think you should switch. I'm curious though, but I I like uh, you like the receiving. I that's I, yeah, carrying stuff around. I get yeah. to be macho, you know. I, I'm nervous though about like navigating people and like putting stuff on the shelves. Like that's that's something that I think I will not like. How long have you been again? Zero. I just joined yesterday. This is all conjecture. I just chose. Then those that was my yeah. option. Receiving's also only two hours. No, it's no, no, it's two forty-five. Two forty-five. like six on a Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday night. Yeah, it's gonna be very busy at the co-op. Yeah, yeah I'll see. You know, I mean, who not? You know, it's it's all learning. I'm. I'm I mean, very excited to hear about your food co-op journey. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. It's it's gone. It's gr- pretty great so far. It's so crowded, mm-hmm. and like that is the thing that is just like whoa. Mm-hmm. So, the food's really good. It's so good and so cheap. It's so cheap. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I'm excited. Um, all right. So what are we? Oh yeah, we're talking about cleaning. Normal cleaning. Talking I about, don't know. I feel like I've been going on and on about all this. Well, stuff. okay. So here's the thing. That's here's the thing that that I that I liked that you said. Uh, this idea of connection, mm-hmm. right? That is like that. That felt like that is the answer. That's the answer. Is like. To everything, really, is like it, that. That feels very urgent to me uh-huh. right now. Like I am right now. I am seeking that mm. so profoundly, mm. and there are so many barriers, uh, both internal and yeah. external, uh, uh, to feeling connected. Yeah. And like as you're saying, like you know, capitalism's alienating. Uh, you know, parents. <laughs> you know how you were raised. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think a lot about it in terms of uh, my poly relationship Mm -hmm. and like something that I am trying to cultivate so hard is this idea of connection that like a poly relationship cannot function in a sort of normal hetero codependent thing where it's like okay we're gonna spend all our time together and you're gonna have to tell like it doesn't yeah. doesn't work like it just it and i that's great like i don't want to work that way because yeah. i've done that and it's horrible <laughs> and so why not try something new um and like I don't know. That's the, like I'm really like at the beginning of figuring out, well, what does that connection look like? You know, we're not going to spend every night together. We're not always going to wake up next to each other. We're not going to see each other all the time. We're not going to go on all of our vacations together. So but what is really important to me, what feels really important is to feel connected and to feel loved and seen and acknowledged and, and cherished at all times. Mm-hmm. Part of that involves me actually loving myself mm-hmm. yeah. which i'm working on yeah not so good at it uh say that. huh that's part of the well whatever go on well i mean i am i am working on it yeah. like i i am like i'm better i'm definitely better yeah. than i have been like yeah. i've grown yeah and 
you know, I think even after the revolution, people are going to be working on loving themselves. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Like there's there's a lot yes. of Michigas to sort through. Listen, I, I'm not saying I'm bad at it, but it's definitely something that you're working on. I'm working on mm-hmm. and have a I feel like, a you know, definitely there's room for improvement. I understand. I feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's a question. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is really hard. I was reading today, a friend of mine sent me, um, this this collection of essays on friendship and it's like Foucault, Agamben, a couple other things. And I, I only read the first two. I read a Agamben essay on friendship where he talks about philosophy and friendship and that philos actually means friend in Greek. Latin and Greek. No one's gonna. Um, no one's gonna correct you here. Right. So f- yeah. So uh, like so what? Anyway, like so like like uh, you know, um, uh, philia, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a nice philia. I can only think of necro, but there's bio mm-hmm. and uh, like an affinity cop- for yeah 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 yeah. Um, Copro. What is that called? That's the poop. The oh, that's a nice one. Uh, if you have the sage to get the bad. Totally. Poop yeah, away. yeah, I guess so. You're right. You're right. You're like, I don't know. I'll tell, I'll, well, you know what? Why not? Why not? It's a judgment-free zone in my yeah, cozy zone. Totally. Yeah, coprophilia. Why not? Totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, these essays, and they were really kind of interesting about friendship. And it made me think a lot about friendship and connection. also made me think about polyamory and definitely made me think about like what are the barriers to those kinds of relationships and you know some of it's the way that our society is structured like it's hard to see people because of work and transit and some of it also I think you're right it's like people's um you know I was thinking about my own kind of limitations in my relationships um both romantic and friendship and how a lot of those limitations are shaped by you know, the kind of family structure I was brought up in or my traumas and stuff. And, uh, and a lot, everyone has that, right. Everyone's struggling with that. And that's really profound. Like that's really, you know, just kind of reading these essays about friendship being like the essence of life, you know, and like the wrecking, like you said, to being in a health, in a good relationship or a relationship that you would want is where you're seen and appreciated and cherished. Like, um, being able that a big such a huge part of existence is being able to be seen by others and seen as who you truly are and that you know I love what you said I think it's really something that I've been learning a lot you know in the last year and a half is that yeah you have to love yourself or see and also see yourself in order to be seen by others and man when there's so many limits to that that's very daunting because if you it makes to me and this is maybe me speaking I maybe would say something different if I was thinking only from the perspective of like a body worker or thinking about probably wouldn't I wouldn't talk to clients about it like this but for me it's very terrifying because it's like oh shit what if I can't do it I can't do can't do the like self-seeing or self-loving thing the stakes are so high um yes but wait, what what if you can't? 
Well, I don't know. So if that's the basis for like friendship, connection, romantic love, yeah. all these things, and you're unable to successfully love yourself, then what does that mean about your life, you know, and your connection to others? It's very scary. It is. I just, I don't know if a lot of people really do love them. Like, I don't know if people put it, I think the default is not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you if you just sort of go, you know, meander about your life, you... And just sort of read all the signs and like, you know, you consume all the culture and, you know, just sort of take it in. I would hate myself, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I don't, if I like, I'm not like actively fighting against it. I think default is to hate yourself. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I meet more people who are struggling with loving themselves than not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess like, you know, you're in good company, like, which is sad. Yeah. But that's actually nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, we're all, I mean, for God's sakes, like, okay. So speaking of, uh, you know, client, uh, Mm. practitioner relationship, when I came to see you for the first time, you were like, well, so what's going on? I was like, oh, geez. Oh, geez. I'm anxious. I'm uh, feeling, I'm sick to my stomach and my shoulders. I have so much anxiety. Oh, God. Oh, Cindy. <laughs> Cindy, you got to help me. That was slightly less dramatic than that. You got to help me. I was clutching, <laughs> clutching my, my throat and pawing at you, like <laughs> c- coming to my knees. Um, but you were like, oh, well, you know, listen, when I, when I started this work, mm-hmm. I, like, I suffered from anxiety, too, mm-hmm. and it was really amazing mm-hmm like how it helped me. I was like, Oh, that's so nice. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess for me, knowing that you are taking your own medicine or Mm -hmm. your own osteo, not, not (laughs) Not medicine, medicine. (laughs) your own body system acknowledgement, (laughs) your body system exploration, um, you know, is very validating. Mm -hmm. Like I think for me, someone who is, actively working on something or right. is a lot more it just is like oh great oh I, right. like those are the people that i want to be around because it's inspiring and it reminds me that even if i you know it it there's a it, it horizontalizes things if mm-hmm. that's a word you know what i mean like certainly yeah. you are a practitioner but you're a person I'm also a fucked up person sure yeah and like probably the best healers are yeah and the best Sessions that I give are when I'm the most fucked up. Oh, damn. Which is not great. I th- that needs to change. But wow. it happens. Wow. Yeah. Like a punk show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> I, I, meant, I meant to ask you yeah. what brought you to body work. Oh, that's a good question. Um, man, I feel like I'm eating all the foods. Oh, shit. You're, I don't know, I had some food. I can't, okay. I can't reach can't. the oranges. Oh. The oranges are in a net. Uh, where, how do I, where do I, oh, they're there. They're there. the okay. opening. Okay. Um, how did I come to body work? Uh, like I, yeah, like I told you in our session probably. Um, I, well, I started, I've always dealt with really serious anxiety. It's been, since I started doing cranial work, it's basically non-existent. I mean, not non-existent. The anxiety isn't non-existent, but the panic attacks 
pretty much have completely stopped for the last five years um and generally i'm just a lot like i'm like so much more i struggle with a lot of different things all the time but i'm like so much more stable than i was and it's like all the chaos can happen and it's scary and hard and anxiety provoking but i i have a kind of like center that I didn't have. Um, and so I was having this really, really bad anxiety, really like demobilized when I was in my early 20s and had just moved back to New York from Seattle. And I started seeing a therapist um, who did a certain kind of somatic therapy. And she suggested, I was like, I kind of want to study this. Uh, I was doing, I was an academic or whatever. I was in graduate school um, and teaching and doing other stuff, working in a homeless shelter. And um, yeah, I she recommended that I study Feldenkrais, which is this kind of which you probably know about from a theater. little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for a year, but for, for those of us who don't know Feldenkrais, what is I, I mean I, uh, from what I understand, it's some some guy was in a bed after the <laughs> war or something, or like had some problem, and then it, <laughs> and then it was like, oh, I'm gonna move around. I I don't actually know. I took awesome. one class. I don't know, but Feldenkrais I think, was a contradictory character. And I, I won't say that much more about it because of probably mixed audience, but um, <laughs> he was Israeli. He was a really guy. The, the, what was that? He was Israeli guy. Oh, Israeli guy. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway. Right, right, right. I have a lot of conflicted feelings about having studied it. But um, that's okay. I yeah. Mean. But, um, but. Actually, why am I... Anyway, there's a picture of him working with Ben-Gurion on the wall of the Feldenkrais Institute, and I was extremely uncomfortable when I saw it. And I was like, why? Because I did a lot of Palestine work for a while. Anyway. It's okay to... I think it's okay to <laughs> feel that. uncomfortable about yeah. Israel. Mixed... Well, who? My, my, my Sunday school teacher? Maybe. Yeah, I don't they know. Don't re- they don't listen to this. I know. Why do I care? I've been doing public anti-Zionist work for seven years. I didn't go to Birthright. Coincidence? Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Good for you. Uh-huh. Well, awesome, Ben. Yeah. 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 What the fuck am I going to do there? Make Aliyah. Ugh, but, but it's not really. You... <laughs> With the IDF soldier. That's what they want you to do. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Good for you. It's horrible. Yeah. You would be in the army. Um, anyway, so this guy. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. You would have to be. If you move oh, there. Oh, if I move there. Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't going to move there. I just, you know, have breakfast and like flirt with the girls, I think. I think you're supposed to. I think that they organize the birthright trips with. So they have the gay birthright trips where they have like hot gay IDF soldiers right? and they have the straight ones where it's like hot IDF soldiers mm-hmm. above the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. And I think you're really just supposed to, fu- I think this is the point of birthright, mm-hmm. right? Is that you fuck. That's right. And then you're like, wow, I had such a great time in Israel. Everyone's hot. I want right. to go back. Yeah. It's very sinister. It's very cynical. Yeah. Well, they keep you up all night. And I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't go. It's so cynical. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so regardless, this guy, he studied like Aikido or something, okay. some form of martial arts, yeah. and he injured his knee, and um, he, Ben, I'd just like you to look at my cat for a second. Is, it, is he okay? Yeah, he's just being very cute. His his eyes are partially open, his chin is out, and he's kind of on his side. And it's yeah, he looks a little freaky. Dead. Yeah, he, he looks, looks a little dead, but he's not dead. He's just cute <laughs> and napping. Uh, he's very relaxed. Um, but anyway, this guy hurt his knee. He started moving around. He invented this thing. And the thing that I like about it is like everything else we've talked about, the philosophy, it's similar philosophy to osteopathy, which is like, if you 
create an awareness in your body through movement, you start your you neurologic not from a conscious level, but you your neuro pathways start to shift and you can come out of bad patterns. Mm-hmm. Like if you your body starts to recognize from a neurological perspective that certain positions uh, are not helpful for you, then your system will do an automatic correction. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that work. And even in my own experience when I was studying it, I mean, it makes an enormous difference. It's very powerful work. But anyway, for a variety of reasons, I stopped doing that training. And then, I don't know, I started doing craniosacral therapy. I was going through a lot. I had just met my uh, now ex-husband, and I was having a lot of anxiety. Should have been a sign. Um, And I uh, went to see this woman, Katinka, who I now is my mentor and my friend and boss and amazing healer. Um... And I had a session with her and I was in a deep amount of anxiety and I left and I felt very, very melancholy for three days. And then on the third day, I was vegan at the time. Um, I went to Les Gabons, which is this little French restaurant that used to be on Vanderbilt and Bergen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they Where, have What happened? Where'd it go? Is it ramen now? <sighs> it's something like that, yeah. It will be ramen. <laughs> Les Gabons, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they have a beautiful backyard, yeah. and the food was, was better also at that time. It it, you weren't just there. No? No. No, I mean, I wasn't just there, but like... A, it's been closed for like a... I mean, it was open last summer. It was yeah. open last summer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, or no, two summers ago. Two, God, time flies. It was open two summers ago. Anyway, I went there. The food was really good at that time because this was five years ago. It got worse towards the end of it. And I ordered uh, like an egg with ratatouille and a coffee. And I ate it, and I felt like I was alive for the first time. This is your. This is your first. This is after my first egg, session. Egg my first vegan. egg. And no, it, I I was vegan on on and off. Uh, being vegan was related to me being with this person that I was with. Okay. Um, but I ate the egg. I never told him. Um, and it was great. <laughs> anyway, I felt so good. Like I don't know, just something like I fed myself, you know, and I was outside. And I was by myself and I, my life from that point was, had completely changed. And I started doing massage therapy school and then I left massage therapy school because I had this idea that if I was a massage therapist, I couldn't be involved in class struggle and had all these contradictory feelings around it. And I left massage therapy school for a year and then I realized that I could in fact be uh, a revolutionary and be a healer or whatever i don't kind of feel funny saying that word but being a body worker i mean I, yeah a healer i mean it's okay what in the healing arts sure um and yeah and i just kept studying with with katinka and i took a lot of other different classes and i'm like so in love with that i'm so in love with cranial work like i just think it's when people come in and they're like i i'm thinking about cranio session i'm like i love it I want to do that all the time. Um, and yeah, and then I've been teaching. I was taught for eight years in colleges. And um, I just decided that I was going to try to see if I could make it work without teaching financially. And so I stopped teaching. My last class was December of last year. And wow. Yeah, now I just do this all the time, seven days a week. Wow. That's, which is too much. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, it is amazing work. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't even, I like. It's you don't bit, even know what's happening. No, I don't know. 
because I mean, it's like so. For those of you who have never done craniosacral work, basically, it's like I want to know what you what it's like for you so in I'll, your own words. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'm <laughs> happy to tell you. So it's like going like the first. I think our first session, like you gave you like you know did some like some soft tissue work. Yeah, soft tissue work, and like I was like, oh yeah, this is a massage, and then maybe a little bit uh, like at the end, yeah. it's basically just sort of like holding your sacrum like you slip a hand under the sheet and you hold sacrum for a long time Mm -hmm. it's like all right like great like thanks like this yeah it feels like great like i like this this is very comforting Mm -hmm. but it's just like not not a lot going on just hanging out with my sacrum um and like yeah so first session like that was very intense like i you were like oh you're gonna feel sad and i was like yeah we'll see did and you feel sad? I felt so sad for days. <laughs> oh, no. For days. You gave me the like the little flower, blue flower tea or something afterwards. And that was very nice. But like, gosh. Oh, but you were so I was sad. so sad. All right. So then I was like, fine. <laughs> but you came back even though I made you really... Or I didn't make you sad, but... Well, I was I was like... But I was feeling a certain way. Yeah. I, and I was like, you know, you told me. And I was like, you know, I was like, so how often can I do this? And you're like, uh... Every four weeks is good. I was like, great. I'll sign up. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Even uh, though you felt sad. I mean, I'm working. It's nice to yeah. feel sad. Like, yeah. I want to, like, be okay with feeling sad. Yeah. And you had maybe said that, I think, in the session. Yeah. You were working on being more comfortable with those things. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I went back, and I think, I guess the second session was all craniosacral work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's where I had my sphenoid release, uh, the, you know, and you were like, whoa, like, that's crazy. I was like, ah, I guess. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what's Because like, I, you, cause you know, you're you just really probably feel very much. Well, no. Yeah. Cause you're gently like holding my head. And then there was a moment you were just like, <gasps> and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just holding my head. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I asked you about it. You're like, yeah, there was just this crazy like sphenoid release. And I was like, ah, oh, Cool. Probably not really supposed then, to tell you that when it happened. But. I mean, I don't know. That's fine. I'm, I was curious. Mm-hmm. You got to learn the more you know. Um, and I think, like, oh, maybe it was that. Uh, so it's all very light touch. Very light. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot of happening. Oh, I, I'm conflating all the sessions. But, like, so I had got, gotten, like, a deep tissue massage mm-hmm. uh, at Bear Mountain. That's right. And they were just like w- going to town, right. and, like putting their elbows on me, yeah. like getting up, like knees, like just. And I, I like felt I was like, and I felt oh, didn't feel particularly sore afterwards. Yeah. And and the practitioner told me he's like, oh my god, like your your spine is locked. We can't get in there. You need to like, oh, yeah, that made me very angry. Like yeah, like you know, you need to do some like myofascial stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then you know, there was just sort of light touch, and then. Afterwards, it, it was like someone had beaten me with like a sack of potatoes. Like my, like I was in like a great amount of physical pain. So when you went to Bear Mountain, they beat you up. You the, felt nothing. Felt nothing. You came to see me. I touched you very lightly and you felt like you had gotten beat up. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and that happened. My, we, uh, was it yesterday? What day is today? Oh yeah. Was it yesterday? Y- yeah. I you yesterday. Yeah. You're in pain now. No. No, but after right afterwards, afterwards. I was like, like very, I was like wobbly and like, it was hard to move. Yeah. 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 We did a lot of work yesterday. Yeah. Um, and again, like 
very what well, you the the thing that there was some organ stuff that was going on. Yeah, we probably did some organ stuff. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. Isn't it so funny? I remember the feeling of the session. Yeah. I remember the feeling of your session because it was very lovely for me. Great. Yeah. I was going nuts. I was like yeah. freaking out. My heart was racing. Um, I Palo Santo'd the shit out of you. Oh. I is, was trying to get all the oh, all the, that stuff. What is moving. that? Palo Santo. It's just a wood. I, but it's I went there for cleansing. brunch, but that's not... <laughs> Different, different Palo Santo. I did. I really did. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah I think we did some. I think I probably I did some work on your diaphragm. I think and maybe maybe some work on your liver. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And you, yeah, you were freaking out. That freaking happens out, sometimes. Yeah. And then you felt like you could barely move afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like, I got it together. Why do you like, keep coming back, Ben? This is a question that. Why? I yeah, because, okay, so what you've described, just for me, but also for people listening. Yeah. So you've described that you've had these different sessions that you've had. One, yeah. you felt sad afterwards. Yeah. The next one, you felt like someone had beaten the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, you felt like you could, you were wobbly and could barely move. And your heart was racing the whole time. And yet you, you keep coming I'm, back. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person who's seeking. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm seeking relief, you know? And like... I, I don't I like I like coming. I like mm-hmm. uh I like hanging out. I like, you know. It's nice. Uh It's different every time though. Oh That's yeah. Interesting. Every time. You said before our session um you said that you were you you were curious to, curious or, to yeah. see what would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah, I'm always curious too when someone comes in. I'm like, yeah. I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. Um yeah, because there's there's I think a big difference. Are you facing up? Are you facing down? Like that's like that's like oh, it's a whole different what you, ball game. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. But before I get treated, I'm like, what's gonna happen this time? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think I mean I think it's what you said. Like it's what you said the first session. It's like this helped me, and I also think that it's not like a. It doesn't strike me as like a one time. Like it's not like a once. I don't know. Well, I think also, like, it's not necessarily about getting, I don't know exactly how to, it's not that it's not about getting better because you want to feel less symptoms, right. obviously, but I think that what the work is about is becoming kind of more yourself. Mm. Um, definitely, so I had a teacher of mine in town, a different teacher, um, and he did a training last weekend or Valentine's Day weekend, and then... I had a session with him this past week. And one thing that I was thinking a lot about that he kind of talked about was just not trying to fix anyone. And I've really been thinking about that a lot since that session is like, I don't want to try to fix anyone. No one, no one has problems. People have symptoms. Your head hurts. You feel anxious. You feel whatever, but I don't want to try to fix anyone. And so that's what I've been trying to, have in my sessions is like so then yeah like you might you kind of just gotta go through whatever yeah i mean it's a it's a learning tool like yeah. you you listen to your body in a way mm-hmm. that you don't ever do mm-hmm. you know you're put in a position like where these strange things are moving around your your skull bones are moving yeah like that doesn't happen your skull bones like that's i have to say the uh wikipedia 
article about craniosacral mm. therapy very uh what does it say very very uh dismissive really oh yeah it's just like this is a quack it's mm. just quackery they think it's bullshit yeah we're all over quack watch yeah yeah do you think it's quackery ben based on your experience i no i mean i don't know what's going on but something's, something's going, on. going on yeah like i it's undeniable that like something is happening mm-hmm profound mm-hmm. something very profound is happening mm-hmm. with like all aspects of my body and spirit mm. and feelings um have you ever treated anyone you've been romantically involved with that's an excellent question um that's a very excellent question i have once um like a like an actual real treatment trying to think I feel like probably more than once but I can't really remember it's someone that I dated I've like people that I've dated I've like if they've been having some kind of acute issue I've like helped them out usually with like soft tissue stuff um but yeah I did treat one person that I was dating yeah what was it like yeah, um, it was interesting. I mean, someone that I, who, someone who I'm still friends with, who comrade, who I like a lot. We're not romantically involved anymore, um, and it wasn't never. It wasn't like a very intense romantic relationship. It was pretty. I'd say it was pretty casual. Um, but yeah, he wanted to get a session, and um, it was really nice. It was interesting because, like, well, so it's interesting. Can I answer in a roundabout way? Of course. So it's interesting. Something I think about sometimes is like being a person in the world generally and then being a person who's like a sexual person who has romantic partners and like, you know, not just sex, but also like sleeping together, holding each other, like being, you know, physically engaged. Um, Like what it's weird because like my job, like, I touch people all day. Like I touch naked people all day. That's what I do all day. Um, and not in a, in a weird way, in a way, almost maybe, I don't know if it's weird. I've never, I've, yeah, I've never really in, a, in any kind of formal way done sex work. So I don't want to say that it is how much it is or isn't like it out of respect. But, you know, I think it's, it's not like that, but then it's, it's weird because it's a level of intimacy. Um, and so it's like interesting when I'm with people. Cause you know, if I treat someone like kind of my job is to know what's exactly what's going on with them without them having to tell me. And so, but then I'm kind of like, uh, a disaster in romantic relationships. Like I really struggle with romantic relationships and they usually, and pretty, I mean, not that I have, I have had, I have and have had wonderful romantic partners who I, who I care for and they're very, it's a very lovely experience, but usually I end up doing something (laughs) disconnected or what happened, like what happens? I don't know. Like usually like I get really anxious and I kind of like sabotage things or a a lot of times it has to do with like some kind of disconnection between knowing what the other person wants and what I want, which is very interesting for me because this is my job to kind of know this. Um, So, 
So I'm always like when I'm with people that I'm romantically involved with, I'm like, you know, I kind of don't want to be in that space of being in treating people either. And sometimes I think I don't have a clear way of thinking. Sometimes like when I'm, if I'm with someone that I'm involved with and I'm like touching them, I'll be thinking about their system. But then I'm like, okay, I don't want to get involved in their system that way because it's too involved. So, so, it, <laughs> so it was definitely interesting for me treating this person because, you know, that was kind of a boundary that I had and I wasn't sure how I felt about breaking that boundary. Um, and, and also then you're nervous because you're doing this something that you care about and you want them to obviously respect you for it. So there's like a level of anxiety. Like what if they have a bad experience? Or with cranial, like you said, it's so subtle. Like what if they don't feel anything and then they're like, Oh, this thing that this person I'm dating does is really <laughs> nothing. And they talk about it all the time, you know, it is a crazy thing. <laughs> it is very subtle. And that happens. Sometimes people, like you said, the first time it's like, Oh, it's nice to have someone's hand in my sacrum, you know, like, and I think, I don't know, you know, I'd have to ask this person again now that it's been some time, but I, from my experience, I felt like a lot happened in his session. Um, and he was just like, that was very relaxing. Well, you you know, we don't know as, you know, as novices, we don't know what to listen for. Yeah. Like yeah. You, and so. you're attuned. Like, I don't know, like, what my sphenoid's doing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but if you, like, you know, you're reading this poetic sure. treatise about, I mean, you have a different perspective and you yeah. have a different uh, sort of frequency about it. That's true. But still, it's, you don't want, I mean, yeah, like. It's still anxiety provoking. I, of course. And the other thing was that I didn't want to do it for free, but I didn't want to charge him. So I actually traded, I did a trade with him for a tattoo. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was a great trade. Yeah. That's great. I feel like great. I really got. Wow. Yeah. I got a lot. Yeah. I feel like I, I mean, I got something permanent. I don't know if his treatment will last forever. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was an interesting experience. I don't know. There's definitely, there's someone that I, that I date now who I've talked to who said recently, like, I don't want to be your client. And I really appreciated that. Actually, I thought that was, I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I can appreciate that. I don't really want you to be my client. Mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. um, but it's contradictory because then I was also like, well, but I also want you to know what my work is like. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, people say where they're at. Yeah. And life is long. And life is and complicated. And complicated. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating, though. Yeah. I appreciate appreciate that roundabout answer. <laughs> I can't answer any. If you've learned anything about me, it's probably that I can't give a straight, very difficult time. But that's the, answer. I mean, I don't know. That This is the joy of it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm having a great time. I know. Because like, so then, then you learn all the things. And, all the things. like, I got all sorts of answers to other questions that, like, you didn't even want to ask. No, I, I was too, you know, I'm nervous to ask, you know, it's, ner it's you know, when I... Are you still feeling nervous? Because you said that when you first start doing the cozy zones, you feel I'm, nervous. You know, there's, there is a, there is a, there's a pressure. I don't know. I think we've, I think we've... I don't feel nervous anymore. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't feel nervous. But, you know, there's a, there's a, an onness yeah, that needs true. to happen. That, yeah. you know, that happens because of microphones, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. We are holding microphones yeah. right now. Um, gosh, yeah, no, that's a, I, th I'm very pleased with that, that whole thing. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. Well, 
It's family, you know. Family? Family's complicated. Family's complicated. You said you wanted to ask me about my divorce. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. I, I'm nervous to ask you about it. I don't Why know. Are you I, nervous I, I've never been in a divorce. I mm. imagine it would be very upsetting. I imagine, yeah. and like, I don't know. I, yeah, like, I can't imagine it. Yeah. Yeah. I realize as I said that, that I've, I talk about my divorce almost constantly, which is interesting. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. You think so? Yeah. I mean, a marriage is an intense thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, it's with you forever, and so is a divorce. I mean, it's just something that's, like, in you now, you know? It's just, like... Yeah, that's true. How do you... I mean, how do you feel about it? I feel very grateful that I went through that experience. Um, the whole arc. The whole arc. Like, it was so necessary. Um, it just had to happen. Like, it had to happen like that. I had to be in that relationship, and I had to get myself out of it. Um, so I'm very grateful. And, you know, a lot of times I think about I've had a lot of different experiences at this point in my life that have been unpleasant, but not that severe. Like kind of like, yeah, like getting married and getting divorced, um, going through the criminal justice system. Um, I've had um, two abortions. um, And those are all, all of those things are something that like actually a lot of people go through especially a lot of women in particular go through. And because of um, my like relative class position, like I've never had a lot of money. My family never has, but I've never also been poor. I've never been um, homeless, which I'm very fortunate for. Um, And, you know, definitely like being, you know, a white lady. Um, those experiences haven't been like as difficult as they are for a lot of people for me. Um, but I'm grateful to have gone through them because I, it's just easier to relate to people. And, yeah. and also they're just nor like, it's like, Oh yeah, these are just things that happen to people Yeah, and they're like pretty normal. And I think a lot of times, depending on who you are, how you're raised, your family structure, your community, those things that can be really rarefied and you kind of have certain judgments or ideas about them. And, um, and it's nice for me to be able to, it's nice for me to be able to talk to other people about, I, I, especially with like, I mean, with both, especially with the gendered things like, um, getting married and divorced and having abortions, like a lot of, so many women have had these experiences or being an abusive partner. Um, and it's so horrible that we have to go through them, but it's so wonderful to find other people who have had those experiences. I was talking to a good friend of mine recently who's had um, who's had abortions, and you know, we were just talking about how, like, you know, she was telling me some stories about how some of the nurses had really shamed her because she had more than one and all this stuff. And you know, we were just talking about how common these experiences are and how we should really talking about it more and 
I don't know. So I'm I'm rambling again. No, all those not, things not are, at all. I mean, I, that, that's how I feel about <laughs> that's how I feel about my marriage and divorce. I guess is like, um, a lot of people have been married and divorced, and I have friends who are who are my peers, actually, who have been married and divorced, who are going through divorces, and um, you know, who are in their third early thirties, and uh, that's also particularly kind of weird. Not weird, maybe, but that's a particular way to go through a divorce, to get married young and divorced young. Um, And it's really great to be able to talk to those people and be like, talk about what it was like to go through the divorce and talk about um, and laugh about it and talk, you know, talk to some friends about having divorce party, which hopefully will happen because why not what do you do you, have you had one i haven't had one um it's a little bit awkward for me because um this is less the case but there's people in my life who are still friends with my ex-husband not very many anymore um but you know it's a little bit awkward to be like i'm celebrating divorcing this asshole (laughs) people are are friends with him yeah um but i think now i'm at a point probably where it would be fine and it would be fun i mean yeah i i think i guess what this is making me think of is like another answer to your question why do i keep coming Mm, back yeah and it's it's this sort of radical commitment to your own self-care mm-hmm. you know that like i'm hearing i mean sort of i'm hearing there's a lot of joy that you're having in connecting and mm-hmm. laughing and and celebrating your shared experience right. and that that is something that's very nourishing for you and that you are seen and that you build a community, you know, you, you say that it's a a common thing and we Mm. all know that there's so much energy and shame and, and, you know, politicians wagging their fingers about all of these things and religion and all of this, all of this, this stuff that Mm -hmm. like is just not what life is and Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually, is not a part of it, but it silences like it silences the normalcy mm-hmm. and the like this is this is what living is this mm-hmm. is what living today is yeah this is a, a, what living today as a woman is mm-hmm. and that you are like you're reveling in that you're mm-hmm. you're luxuriating it almost which is probably makes you know mixed listenership you know maybe there's someone uh, yeah but like fuck them you know yeah. like it doesn't matter and also like thinking about like Oh, I don't want to have a divorce party because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. But like, fuck it. You know, Mm -hmm. like I want to, I would love to live a life where I wouldn't, I didn't care as much. Mm -hmm. Like I, I vicariously want you to do that to like, be like, yeah, well you can do whatever you Mm -hmm. want and like celebrate however you want and honor yourself just the way that you want. Ben, will you come to my divorce party? I would love, I would be honored. Okay, cool. Yeah. That means I'm going to do it. Great. <laughs> God, I'm honored. Yeah. How fun. How fun to celebrate. Like, I think Louis C.K. has this bit that I haven't seen, but other people have told me about where he's like, there's no such thing as a bad break or bad divorce or bad breakup. 
like like if you something like if you um i think my very my very 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 dear friend kathy who lives in boston might have told me about this bit but um it's something like if someone's getting divorced like if someone's getting divorced it must have been a shitty relationship right so like, you should be really happy for yeah. them and i think that that that's been my experience in talking to people not just divorces but break you know breakups are hard right totally but like especially divorce it's like man if you got, went to the trouble to get married and then you're getting divorced like there must have been a really good it's probably a really good yeah thing actually that you're getting divorced and there's so much people that i know who are divorced like older people i've met since i've been divorced i've met a lot of people who have been divorced that's just how these things work i guess Tell, yeah um one of the first craniosacral trainings that i did after my divorce um four or five other women were also in the process of getting divorced it's crazy which totally makes sense because these are these women who are doing this crazy transformational right. thing. So they're getting out of their old patterns, right? right? And yeah. leaving their husbands. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, which boy. is awesome. Yeah. And we talked about it and everyone was so, all of these women were so like, and we were all like, yeah, that's awesome. We were like congratulating each other. Uh, and it was so beautiful. And they were doing this. I mean, the, most of them were older than, they were all older than me. Some of them significantly, some of them not that much older. But you know, they were like doing this amazing thing with their lives and like on this crazy journey, this crazy, like doing this weird far out healing shit journey <laughs> that they could only do because they were divorced. Yeah. And it's so beautiful, you know, like how, oh, I mean, that's so beautiful. <sighs> yes. I love divorce. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> amen. Yeah. Amen. I love being, I love it. I love it more than I love being married. That's for sure. My goodness. All right, Cindy. So here we are. It's the point of the conversation oh, where, we I, where, I where I reveal. I reveal. Oh, I'm to, not supposed to know. To you that I am actually a representative of the Cozy Zone Foundation. <gasps> I thought that we were just having a conversation. I know. In your Cozy Zone. But really, I, I have, I have uh, weaseled my way into your Cozy Zone so that I could deliver this message. And that oh message God. is that so you've probably heard of the Cozy Zone Foundation. I have it's heard a, the Cozy Zone Foundation. It is a, it's a massive. I didn't know it was related to the Cozy Zone podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. They're the they're the sponsor of it. They they've brought all of this bounty here before you, um, and th they're very very well off. So they have a portfolio of hundreds of thousands of of the wealthiest people on earth. Uh, who give generously to this fund, an enormous fund. And there's so much money that they, they say that they will give unlimited funds uh, to collaborative projects um, as long as they you know, meet the standards. What um, are the standards? Well, we need to come up with a title and a concept. Okay. And we both need to sign off on the idea. Okay. So you and I have been charged uh, with creating a, a project. And then we get unlimited funds? Unlimited funds. And we so, get to do a project? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm into it. Great. So what are we going to do? Um, I don't know. What, what is your art form? I mean, you're a, you're an illustrator. I'm obviously, really, you're a drawer. No, I'm not you've, a drawer. You've made, well, you've made drawings that I, I can see. I've made drawings. Um, yeah, I don't know what my art form is. I mean, I've written some poems. Okay. Okay. I've, I've dabbled lightly in many of the creative arts and not really pursued or been very good at any of them. I played viola for a long time. Okay. Um, 
But you're a multi-talented artist. You well, do you, theater, do, you do visual art, you I, do conceptual art, performance art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do, I'm, I'm, I'm down for anything. Music, you also play music? I, I sing a you little. You sing. Yeah, I think there was a misunderstanding uh, at, at, your, at your workplace that I, that I play music like that's fit for a yoga class. Oh, really? uh, but it was, that's not me. You I'm, do more like experimental music. I don't. I no. I don't know. I mean, I like to sing. You like to sing. I like to sing. You weren't going to sing for the yoga class. I don't think so. Oh, I was in a barbershop quartet in wow. in high school. Oh my god, that's amazing! I yeah. love barbershop quartets. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. I love harmony. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's might be an. Ind- do you sing? Do you? I don't sing. No. Okay, but you I, viola. I did sing at my sister's karaoke party, but I. But yeah, but I oh, do viola recently. Recently, yeah. Like. Like, Saturday. Yeah, wow. A I few days ago. I sang by the Four Non Blondes, but... Oh, yeah. Yes, but, uh, but I don't really sing. <laughs> okay, um, okay. I do play viola, but okay. I also... Well, one thing that I'm interested in... So you do smash type, which I don't really understand. I do do smash but type. But I know that it's about language. Yeah. Um, and I liked this conversation that we had about language and contradictions. Yes, yes. And I, I'm thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about are related to that and i don't i don't but i don't have a clear idea of what that would be well that's good i i i mean i love that kind of stuff um it's very i mean it's very it feels very all encompassing it Uh feels like a a life truth um i mean what yeah i guess like so maybe we start with a concept and we sort of then figure out what forms might might uh, animate this concept so i like the the idea okay i like i like well i'm also wondering if we because i'm like okay we're interested in this question of categories and contradictions and I'm also interested in language. We didn't talk about this. I'm very interested in etymology, mm. even though I apparently know very little about it because I don't know whether phylos is Greek or Latin. I think it's Greek. Yeah, it's probably I think, Greek. Yeah, Greek. Greek. Didn't the um, Greek they invented philosophy? Yeah, I think it's Greek, but not really. But, but I, I'm so. But I'm interested. Phylos, in, yeah, because like, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, Greek seems. It's Greek. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it sounds very Greek. Yeah, because there's a what's that? The letter phi. Yes. That's a Greek letter. I think you're right. I yeah. trust you. Yeah. So there you go. So we, we are already collaborating. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. So we got so, so, so we I'm got very etymology. etymology also. And so I'm wondering if there's some, but see, I'm not really a creative artist. So, so here, hard. let's, so you can maybe help with the form. Maybe. Well, but also like know that like, like all of us limping onto the train, you know, we are all, we are all artists, you know, I I think we are all always already artists. Um, but yeah, definitely, I'll help. And you know, you will both help. Okay. So okay, T- talk to me about etymology. I, there's like I I'm win me over on etymology because huh, I'm skeptical of etymology. Tell me more. Well, I mean, sir. Okay, words have history, and like, there's probably it just feels like there's a lot of baggage you know what i mean like there's a lot of like oh the greeks stole it and then this you know colonial power took this word and used it and like that's that is interesting but it's like heavy and like people use i don't know well it's the movement of his oh my god etymology is like the movement of history into the present yeah so like you could have a word that had a 
very different route. And then I'm trying to think of a good example. Well, a, a non-linguistic example of art that's like this is that recently I went to this exhibit that was um, all uh, stuff that was made by prisoners. Oh. Um, and one of the things that we talked about, which was insanity, was securities, like insurance. Okay. And that, like, Aetna and New York Life Insurance um, were sold slave insurance. Oh, right? no. So, oh, so, no. But so what's so interesting is that the health insurance that people have now is literally, materially, actually funded on slavery um, which doesn't mean that people who use the insurance are bad right i don't it's just but it's an interesting no historic because everyone needs insurance bit. that's like no this is the contradiction i mean what are you gonna do you're not gonna have i don't know i don't insurance. know uh like soda i have a soda stream you know what i mean oh, yeah. like yeah it's like, like what we were talking about before yeah <laughs> but the fizzy water it's so good yeah, it was really a gift like I, you know what are you gonna do i'm what not gonna, gonna throw do? it away I just bought something. I bought a phone charger that was made in China. It's all horrible. It's all horrible. It's not under our individual control. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. It's, that's just true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so something like that. So I, that's why I like etymology is like. Um, it's so heavy. Does it, yeah, I guess it is. Like, where is, I guess, like, and it's only, people are always like, oh, do you know where this word comes from? Like, I feel like you it's wielded. You think people are snobby about people it. People wield it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's not like. A, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, no. But so then how do you, but like, and there's always like some sort of terrifying history. Like, it's like, ugh. Mm. Like, but I guess you have to, you know, go into it. I, but. Ugh. Well, maybe there's a way for it to be, for it to be fun. Like. Yeah. But there's also very beautiful things. Oh, I wish I could remember more besides philosophy, which is fun and beautiful. Um, but there's other, I mean, a lot. So like if you know um, Latin, it's really easy. It's pretty easy to study um, anatomy. Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of anatomy, like there's a part of the, um, sphenoid that we were talking about called the cella tersica the turkish saddle and it looks like a turkish saddle so if you know what you know what i mean right like, that's yeah kind of cool that is cool okay right? all so, right cindy so, so let's, there's fun th there's also fun etymology uh, you know what i i love the body so let's so okay. if we can if we can like so, and right. you're a you're a you're you work there uh -huh. that's where you work that's where i work in the body and uh so I went and th okay, so here we go. This yes. is good. Here we go. Okay, so like, where did all of the body names come mm -hmm. from? And like, how <gasps> how deep can you go? Like, everything has a name. I have an idea. Okay. Well, I couldn't do this, but I could help with the. Process. We have a lot of money. We have so much. We money. We can throw that's money true. at it. I don't know if that's going to help this, but maybe. But what we could do? Oh man, we could we could draw the cranial system. Okay. Based off of like literal the etymology etymological roots of the different anatomical names of the different okay you know, well no i hear you no 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 yeah. i i i i'm with you so so like for example the turkish saddle the yeah. 
of the sphenoid. Yeah. Um. So okay. So would actually be a Turkish. Would be a Turkish saddle and like what the anvil and the stirrup of the the ear and the, you know, everything. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. No, but but something you're not crazy about it. No, no, no. But I know I'm just, you know, we're brainstorming. No, this is this is not bad. So, okay. So I'm, you know, there's like a like I'm picturing sort of like a fractal, you know, like. Mm -hmm. So, you know, drawings like like, because you could zoom in and out because, you know, you have to like Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of. You know, there's what is gross and what is gross anatomy, bigger, big things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like there's, you know, the the part of the right. fucking sphenoid is like right. very specific. Right. Like that's true. Uh, where do you like it's like your skull, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, good skull. I, what do you call the, the cranium? Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Yeah. But then you zoom in. It's like, right. oh, the cranium's comprised of what? Nine different bones or. I don't know. Twelve. Ooh, I'm making a face right now. God. Who knows? Who knows? You can edit that out of them. <laughs> that's not happening. We're not editing 12 bones. We're not, not going to edit for bones, cranium bone number. Um. Anyway, but so but then you go deeper and deeper and deeper and you have like cells and you have, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. different like the cell, the, the, the organelles and, yeah. you know, so you, they're, the they're brain. different. The brain. I mean, there's, there's like, you know, you go, you go can zoom in and out mm-hmm. i like i wonder if we can push the like drawing of the like mm-hmm. like i wonder if there is some other form animation uh, animation i don't mean like like yeah. uh like dr- moving drawing but right. i mean like a way to um activate right sort of this information. Like, I, I love the yeah. idea of, like, seeing a beautiful Turkish saddle, like, embedded in the sphenoid. But is there something more that we could do? Well, but, like, the different things might call for different things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, each each history probably has a different medium, or each, like, etymology, like, something might be a little, like, has something to do with a song, or, mm-hmm. like, a clavicle yeah. might have to deal with a clat, cav, uh, or, like, does it, right. did it inform the, uh, what is it, the, clavoid, what's cl- it? Uh, no, the, uh, the clav, like, your shoulder, there's uh-huh. a, there's an instrument, like, a clavier, you know, clavier, yeah, oh, I don't know, that's a good question, I don't know, but, like, some, we like, and learn. that'd be nice, you know, oh, look, dun, 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 little clavier music that's for your true. clavicle, you know, like, and there's, there's, there's dialogue, there's, like, th- different mm-hmm. things also inform non-body mm-hmm. things, right, the body, like, we understand the world through the mm-hmm. things in our body, so, I don't know, we call, uh, Gosh, you know, male and female uh, uh, audio equipment, and mm. I mean that's mm. that's not a great example, but like, I know what you mean, though. but like we, it, there's there's a constant exchange of meaning, yeah, in terms of the body, which is fascinating and lovely. What about an installation? Okay, ah, okay, an installation that has live performance art. Great, great. Okay, this is great. Huge, huge. It has to be huge. Huge. Like the whole Mutter Museum. Oh, yeah. Even bigger. I Even love the, bigger. I love the Mutter Museum. I'm thinking like land art, like land yes, art proportions. Yes, Like huge. Because we have tons of money. Tons of money. Wow. And so you build. And some of it could be outside and some of it could be inside. Yep, yep. Wow. Yep. I love, I love, I love that. Like, mm-hmm. and then you, okay, so... 
I also I love the idea of collaboration. So maybe you you assign an mm-hmm. artist or a collective of artists to react to a piece mm-hmm. of anatomy. Like and but it has to be, I think, very minute. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the sphenoid group is Oh like, my god, the sphenoid had thirty five different little parts. Sure. And so thirty five different artists, like, wow. you know. So each um, so multi like multidisciplinary thing like you know they activate the various parts and like mm. yeah like you give them give them organelles like we got to do organelles i, I love, love this yeah and it's huge and where in the world does it happen i i have such a limited imagination upstate new york i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Where, where in upstate New York? Um, <laughs> I'm picking, you know, there's like, you know, you can have like the Grand Canyon, like gorges, like the Badlands. Oh, you're like, thinking really big. Yes, we have unlimited funds. funds. We don't, you know, we have unlimited funds. Oh, man, where? All right, but where in upstate New York? Well, no, I don't know now. Well, I was seeing the Finger Lakes. It's very beautiful. Okay, yeah. But there's a nice massage school. There's a nice massage school. Ithaca. In Ithaca. Um, finger lakes are nice well okay finger Maybe, finger lakes finger lakes i mean it, it also could be like all over the world all over the world like it what could, if there was different body parts in every part of the world there you go there we go oh oh my god and it could be like you know there's different body different places that are named for different like the finger lakes but then there's finger other lakes. places uh i can't think of testicle right ridge testicle ridge no you've never been there do they look like testicles i don't know that's a joke it's not a... <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea it's like it's in you know it's in uh, kuwait i don't know <laughs> there's something like testicle ridges like people have drawn testicles on ridges all over the northeast uh, yeah well. um yeah great i like this yeah that is great whoa all over the world huge huge and so and it speaks mm. to like we are all an integrated system. Wow. We are human. Oh my God, I love this. Yeah, that's nice. And like, you, you know, from space, you sort of can like uh, comprehend the whole thing. Wow. That's nice. And there's so many layers of meaning. Oh yeah. I love, I love that. Like there's the etymology, there's the art, the performance art. I studied puppetry when I was ah. in college and I love puppetry because there's so many modes of expression within the one you know you have the material the puppet's made of the acting the form all so so many so many different layers of representation that's cool um and this is like that where yeah wow there's so much yeah and we you know we we open it up to all these you know global artists Artists, global makers you know whoa wow yeah it, who's gonna get the the asshole you know like where in the That's world really is the a- what's the asshole of the world i don't know but i think it'll be like an inversion of the asshole like as something negative to something beautiful totally because it's a beautiful place it is yeah it's a really beautiful place totally wow yeah well so what do we call it oh i'm very bad at this this is my favorite part. Well, you ha- okay? I you mean, have I, some ideas. I, I, do, I mean, I I don't ha- I don't know what it is, but we'll find it. We always do. Have have some ideas. Um, world body. Okay, world body. Um, 
um, globe, globe, globe guy, global systems, body, um, what, okay, what it like, corpse, corporeal, landscapes, uh, corporeal landscapes, let's see, the world, Anatomy, Anatomy, tissue, tissue, skeleton oh, bones. Oh, some uh, something maybe with states. Like there's different states of the body, and there's different states, and we should destroy the states, all the states, and maybe one way that we're destroying the states, or the state as a concept, is through the global body system. So that's interesting. Oh, um, what do you call like? What is it? The body, the uh, uh, body politic. Uh, uh, there are body state. What are body states? Well, I guess I was thinking as you said tissues, and I was thinking tissue states is like a important tissue states is like an important um, concept in herba- in herbalism. Okay. Um, I like. Unbounded, unbounded. Um, God, it reminds me of this Foucault essay, actually, because he talks about like utopia and the body is the opposite of utopia, but also it is utopia because it's. He's like the he's like utopia exists everywhere all the time, but the body's only in one place at one time. And then anyway, he talks about all this oh, stuff. That, but uh, let's 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 go there a little bit. I think there is good. I I in my thesis, I uh, my I did a thesis about uh, bringing making an arts program in a domestic violence shelter, really, in New Jersey. Yeah. Wow, and, that's that's incredible. Yeah, it was it was we it was it was. Did you do it? We did it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it that's was amazing. Intense. Yeah, we did it like real real sloppy and like we wrote about it and that's like great. it was great yeah wow yeah that's amazing then yeah, it was cool uh, but my like sort of my like i tried to you know weave in some of those guys and so the concept of, het- of heterotopia because uh, heterotopia was there uh-huh. like sort of this like this place that's like yeah. not a place that's like sort right. of it's infused with all this mythology and like yeah. you know that like it exists because of all of this other Michigas, but yeah. it's also a real place. And so just thinking yeah, about like, thinking about that. Well, yeah. I also like Topia because Topia, Topia is like place, uh, place or something. And Biotopia, uh, but, but bio is not, it's more than it's body. More than body. And body is, what do you say? Corpus is body. Yeah. Um, cor- corpotopia is not it. What was the word for poop lover? Again? A coprophilia. <laughs> coprophilia. Can we just call it coprophilia. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the asshole of the earth. Whatever it is. Colon, <laughs> the asshole of the earth. Um, yeah, maybe it's like Colon. Indonesian. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and what are, like, wow. are there, are there earth structures that are body structures? Like volcano? No. Like, oh, man. Uh, ridge, uh, valley, mound. Stream, river, stream, lake, uh, lake ocean. ocean. No, no forest. Not really. Uh, crater, sort of. Crater. Ah, oh, fuck. I feel like 
me. This is the kind of thing that like, yeah, I'll be reading something later and think that it was perfect. Well, we got to, we got to, okay, we right. got to submit Topia. it. Okay. Topia. I like this. So utopia. So the body is a utopia. You're saying this is, I, you know, I just read this essay and I kind of forgot the conclusion cause he kind of ends up going, he's like, He's like the body is the opposite of utopia because utopia is everywhere all the time, and right. the, the body is embodied. It's the opposite because it's embodied. It's mm. it's only one place. He embodied. says like it's only one place under the, you know, it experiences the same thing. But then he's like, he talks about like relationship and how relationship is kind of like, um, you know, you see someone and they recognize you, and that shifts. Uh, Maybe that's utopia, you know, and he's kind of thinking of these different ideas of, so I like this idea. I also like the idea of recognition because that's part of the, like we talked about, that's part of the process of art, right? Yep. And, Um, and relationships. And relationships. Um, Hmm. The embodied is nice. And so the, the globe, globe as body isn't a utopia utopia either like yeah you can't get a utopia you can't right the heteronymous so you have a heterotopia which is very it's also very problematic yeah Ooh. homotopia i like that a <laughs> lot i mean that's definitely that's definitely the front runner that's definitely the front runner because who wants to be hetero anyway not man <laughs> man is man is homo homotopia homo-topia. that is man homo sapien sapien knowing man i kind of like it homo homotopia is not bad it's really good it's not bad it's really good homotopia does it or homos to- i mean we could make it more gay homostopia homostopia why is that more gay is it apostrophe like, S? Or just like homos, like there's lots of homos. Homostopia. Homo is man. Uh-huh. Do, do we, do you think, do we exclude? And that is, I mean, that is the name, that is the scientific name of, right. we are all homo. Right. But. But also has, this is interesting about etymology, right? Because then it also takes on this other meaning. Right. Homotopia. Right? Homotopia is real good. Yeah, homotopia is pretty good. Especially for... Homotopia is like the name of a club, I feel like. Yeah. Somewhere. (laughs) Oh, God, that's so funny. It's so funny. And like... But it... Is it too... It's a little goofy for the scale. A little. little, But but like... But it's it's the best we've got. Definitely. Homotopia. Oh, my God. Like it's... Okay, man place. Man, please. And which is, you know, it does that. But that's just the literal etym. That's see, that's the interesting about etymology is like, it's it's always in reference to its uh, history, but it's never its history. It's never exactly right. If every word meant only its what it was made of, right? It they we would have a weird language. What do you? What is like a Latin name for Earth? Terra. 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 Homo Terra? No, God. Terratopia? No. Terratopia? Terra? No, God. No, it's not. It's not good. Homotopia is so fucking good. Homotopia is pretty good, Ben. I think it's that's what it is. Homotopia. Homotopia. All right, I'm into it. Homotopia. Yeah, and it, yeah. 
I'm into it. And uh, it's also, uh, it's a play on so many different things. Yeah. And it's, so it's this global, global, uh, global, human. global interpretation also, of, yeah, the body. It's a, yeah. It's a play on, on, I like that it's a play on heterotopia. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that in its existence as a title, it's doing the thing that we're talking about, mm-hmm. which is taking something, taking a amalgamation of words that have all these different meanings and then making it into a new meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's like it, the thing that it is, is doing the thing that it's about, which I love. It fills me with great pleasure when things like that happen. Um, then, um, yeah. Amen. Then we've cool. got homotopia. Can I high five you? Oh, definitely. Yes. Nice. Homotopia. Homotopia. Wow, Ben. This Book has it. been the best cozy zone that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I mean, my only cozy zone. Well, but. I'm I'm very, very honored. We we do end with like a little musical sound. Okay. Um, it can be anything. Uh, Are you going to sing? We can sing. We, 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 we do it together. We generate a musical okay. sound. Okay. Um, hmm. Homotopia, homotopia. Cool. Cool. That's the theme song. It is the theme song. <laughs> Cindy, thank you so, thank you, ben, so this much. This is so nice. This is great. Wow, I'm so yeah. happy. I hope yeah. you take some tangerines home. I definitely will. Cool. You crushed this cozy. Yeah, zone. this is really good to- cozy zone. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Intimately finding our peaceful cozy zone, and Ben he interviews friends. It's awkward, and then it's cozy zone. Occasionally, it's a lovely thing to be nosy in somebody's cozy zone. So please. Snuggle up sweet A beautiful thing It's cozy zone